0: Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings,
1: these are a few of my favourite things. Yes, and I might start this by just saying that I hate talented people. I hate talented people uh, because I I get envious and jealous of of all they've managed to do and achieve in life. And uh, one of those people I hate, therefore, is Steve Bedwell. (laughs) Hello, Steve Bedwell. (laughs)
0: Hello Simon, I was just thinking about uh, my favourite things and, and um, there was a version out quite a few years ago that started with uh, Playboy and Penthouse <laughs> and sometimes men only...
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: I can't remember how the rest of it went. I think I, I think the good side of me erased
1: it. Yes, yeah. oh yes, uh, uh, being a family, uh, a family thing, we probably shouldn't go there. But it sounds funny and I'll have to Google it as soon as we finish chatting. Yes, uh, yes. Now, Steve Bedwell, when, when I hear the name Steve Bedwell, I immediately think of Timbo and Bedders uh, and mm. I also then think of a fabulous book I read uh, about Steve Weisart, I've forgotten the name of it, but uh, you you wrote a wonderful book about Steve, and yes. he he'd gone from sort of hero to zero, uh, in, in because of um, uh, the, the share thing or whatever it was. I can't even remember now. But um, yes. but I I always had huge admiration for Steve, and your book was sort of. Half the 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 first half was sort of the story of his life and how he got to where he was, and then an explanation as to how it all sort of went south. And it it turns out, yeah, it it wasn't sort of Steve's fault the the stuff that went on around him.
0: No, it was interesting. The book was called Visite Uncut, and yes. uh, he and I are very close. But I I made a decision that I wouldn't speak to him for six months while I was investigating and writing the book. I, I just didn't want to be uh, influenced in any way or uh, it had to be as subjective as possible. And and I found out some amazing things. I found out, number one, he had the bookkeeper who was just ripping off the millions. Mm. And number two, the whole ASIC investigation thing, I cultivated a source at ASIC who told me that um, they were just after a big fish and he was the most convenient one due to his lack of turning up to Telstra meetings and bits and pieces and shares that he bought. So they honed in on him and uh, found nothing. No charges were laid. It was just, uh, it just destroyed the poor man's life. I used to go and see him nearly every day um, during that period uh, at his house. and. Um his mum would be there, and he'd be there by himself with his mum and I would turn up and you'd have to run the gauntlet of the press every single day they were out the front of his house on the wrong road, and he just could not he could not leave the house for yeah. i don't know how long and then you know he just he 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 did what he thought was the right thing, and I think what society thought was the right thing, and that was to uh, give up his order of australia he, he voluntarily gave it back. Um, because of the kerfuffle that was going on. He felt that uh, that was a slight slur on the honour, so he gave it
1: back. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as you say, no charges were laid and, and there was really nothing to it, and that, that's what I remember taking out of the book. And, uh, but I also look at... Um, Darren Hinch always has the mantra that uh, if you're innocent, you fight and fight and fight until you die. Uh, But Steve giving back the order would sort of, that that to many would say, oh, well, look, he's clearly guilty. He's giving up his order. Exactly.
0: Mm, I can can understand why people would uh, think that. Um, But, uh, you know, he was fighting. He had the best lawyers in town, like, fighting for him. And in the end, there was an agreed statement of facts about what had occurred. And his final penalty though not charged with anything, was uh, 10 years uh, disbarment from being a director of a company mm-hmm. and a $300,000 fine. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, now I'm, I'm still doing some work with him now. He's on top of the world. He's got grandchildren now. He's living a really comfortable life of a man who has achieved highly mm-hmm. and now can sit back on his laurels and, and just enjoy...
1: His family, yeah, and good on him. Good on him for uh, for being there. But now, enough about uh, Steve. Uh, uh, well, enough about that, Steve. Let's talk about yeah. this, Steve. And yeah. where, where where did it start for you? It was it was interstate somewhere, uh, Canberra you know or what?
0: No, no. no. I was uh, going back to nineteen ninety one and two. I was doing uh, breakfast on Triple J with Howard and Mikey. Uh, and I got a phone call out of the blue one day from yeah. a, a man I'd never heard of. I had no idea who it was. Anyway, it was John Pinder, and, of course, the, the, the godfather of Melbourne comedy, and rang me and said, Do you want to come to Melbourne to be head writer on Tonight Live? Oh, yeah. And I said, Sure. So for 1993, uh, I head wrote the show, and uh, with its many ups and downs and uh, – <laughs> Dealing with a host that really wasn't interested in being there anymore, which was the big challenge. Yes. So that, finished. and uh, I started started doing stand up, and I'd done only two gigs, and suddenly I was headlining the comedy store in Sydney out of nowhere. Like it was that it was that meteoric. Wow. Uh, and then uh, I Peter Grace was actually like a headhunter for Oz Stereo at that yeah. stage. Uh, so, uh, I had to go over to Adelaide to do a gig that was going to be seen by uh, Brad March and Phil Douse, who was the PD of SAFM. So, um, I've gone over, Elliot Goblet's done the support, and uh, I've um, just killed it. And the next day, there was a contract. Um, do, do you want to come and uh, host breakfast at the SAFM? So, uh, that was that was interesting because I was uh, living three days a week in Adelaide, yeah. but coming back to Melbourne for the weekends, and I did that for two and a half years, and that was that was quite um, demanding. I was coming back to Melbourne because I didn't want to lose track of the comedy yes. scene and where I was going.
1: Yeah, and, um, and also if you if you move to Adelaide, you tend to be forgotten by Sydney and Melbourne, don't you? That's
0: it, very easily, but you, but you do become uh, a big fish in a very small pond very quickly. Yeah. So, so I, was, you know, I was working at Adam Hills. So I was working with the time who used to uh, pick me up every morning for work from the hotel. And, uh, I mean, he was uh, – Adam was always extremely talented and always had his eye on England. Everybody else thought America, but he thought, you know what, I reckon I can go to England. Um, And that's why I also um, said to them, I was hanging around with the the South Australian cricket team a bit, and I said to uh, management, I said, there's this young guy, I think I'd like to get him on the show doing sport uh, and see what happens. And uh, that young guy was James Brayshaw.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's not bad.
0: So that uh, kicked off from there, and then... uh, uh, towards the end of, of uh, leaving SAFM and starting at Triple M in Melbourne, which was always their plan, um, I was doing uh, breakfast on the landline to Adelaide and then uh, running upstairs to Triple M to do mornings with Bridget Duclo. So yeah. I was doing two shifts a day, one of which was uh, – and of course um, – uh, in those days dealing with the landline it wasn't so easy because there was no email so they had to fax the newspaper to me every day oh. so the plan was uh at the end of that year tim and i would go into mornings where we sort of uh i mean we really we really did some some pretty impressive things there and broke broke a few molds and uh um, and from there it was always destined that Stubbsy was going and we were going into breakfast as, and, and that was that yeah. so it's, it was quite that was quite amazing it was uh it was a great time I mean it was uh it was busy, but unfortunately, um you know, I didn't know at the time that I was bipolar. I just couldn't figure out what was going on i was so I was I, I could vacillate between being really mean and horrible and driving people too hard when I was manic to the point where I'd drop into a depression where I'd self-medicate to keep going. So um, I I pretty much during that period alienated a lot of people because of my bad behavior that I wasn't aware was being caused by uh, uh, bipolar disorder.
1: It's it's interesting because you're you're not alone there. I, I think there were problems with uh, Tracy Bartram and Matt Tilley, uh, who who weren't the greatest of friends. It might be said back then, uh, and, and similar sort of thing. There was there were issues there that were undiagnosed at the time, or. Uh, yeah, mm. so it's it's not that uh, it's not that uncommon a thing. But how do you how do you then sort of turn up every day and just sort of put on the smiling face and on you go? Was it was it? Did you struggle with that a lot?
0: Well, I, I I struggled in Adelaide because um, I didn't really have a support network there. So I would often uh, find myself uh, in the afternoon just curled up and crying in yeah. Adelaide, and then get up and keep going. But, you know, it's it's part of the job. When you love the job so much and, and you find a way to make it as good as you can possibly make it, and that that's that's the idea of, of every single show, every single day, I'm gonna make this as good as I possibly can. And, um, you know, it, it's funny when you work in a, a duo, people say, um, you know, you and Tim hang out much, and, and you say, well, No, not at all, because you're seeing each other at the worst part of the day possible. (laughs) And and, and you sort of, you work your way through it and then uh, the shift ends, you do some planning and and it's a way there's... Very rarely, with us, was there ever "come on, let's go out and have a lunch" or anything like that. It, it, it virtually never happened. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I've got a bit of audio I want to play to you because I, I, over the years I, I clip up little bits and pieces where, uh, when, when I used to work with Bruce and Phil for many years, I, I would yeah. there, there would be times where I would drive home after the show with sore ribs just from laughing. And uh-huh. one, of, one of those I fondly remember involved you. You had come into the studio, I think it was 2004-ish, uh, for a yep. chat because you, you were at AW at the time you were filling yep. in for Ernie and doing some mid-dawns and Sunday yep. mornings yep. and stuff uh, but you came in to, for a chat with Bruce and Phil and this conversation happened the uh, advertorial uh, dollar is very it. valuable mm-hmm. it's very yes. valuable to daytime television yes. No,
0: I shop only from advertorials oh, well, I uh, have
1: the Ab uh, the Ab Roller and you can see the effect and I always use it at the beach I
0: only, I only <laughs> exercise with things advertised by men who've been to the moon I've ordered
1: uh, the Thymar which oh, is bringing really? down cellulite between the legs. That's, that's
0: my nickname at uh, Channel 9, <laughs> incidentally. And I also, uh, you know, I only cook on things that have, have, uh, you know, have their words said for them by former heavyweight champions.
1: I'm going to cut a mandarin at nine <laughs> with a Kung Su knife.
0: <laughs> and then a shoe with the same knife shortly after at a tin can. And I'm taking Moira out. <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't you? And I hope you leave her there too, Bruce. <laughs>
1: So I just love uh, I I just <laughs> love that piece of audio you and Bruce rapid fire stuff just all off the cuff there about um yeah. about editorials I, I I just love that that's that's great ability you and Bruce both have there Yeah
0: there's um there's um it's an element of of uh mental pace that makes uh, really good um uh, broadcasters stand out from others the ability for your brain to work like nobody else's is, is what makes you different and, and I, you, know, you go through any of the great broadcasters and you know you will often think how did they come up with that mm. and it's just because there's this ingrained thing that, that, that makes you uh, correlate things that don't normally go
1: together yeah. How did you go when things would go wrong? Because the, the Burt Newtons of the world and Bruce and Phil, when something went wrong, that's when they sort of shone, I found. Ernie was a bit the same.
0: Well, yeah, we always, um, when things went wrong, um, you know, um, you would you would dig your way out. You wouldn't give up. You Like you'd, you'd push it for that extra one or two lines and then and, and with any luck you'd get out. The biggest thing that ever went wrong for me was I had this this stupid idea when I was in Adelaide and I ran it past the um, PD and he said it was okay. So I've uh, borrowed, this is all running live to air, I've I've borrowed um, the uh, managing director's black LTD and I've put Adam in the boot, Adam Hills. Yes. And uh, I've gone off to a service station and uh, it, was, it was still, uh, you know, serv- driveway service then. And I said to the guy, "Look, just give me ten bucks worth." And while he's filling the car up, Adam's in the boot screaming, "Help me! Help me! He's gonna kill me! He's gonna wow. kill me!" And he's banging on the <laughs> on the boot, and the and the guys just horrified. So he's gone in to make change, and I saw him uh, pick up the phone, and um. Uh, he's come back out. I said, oh, by the way, do you know, if there's any building sites around here or uh, something like that that I may be able to get access to. And he said, no, and ran back inside. Well, we took off out of the driveway, screamed out of the driveway, got down the street and put Adam back in the front seat. Within five minutes, there were eight police cars in front of us uh, with officers out with their guns drawn. <laughs> no. And this is going live to air. Like we cut into other ships to do this, um, and uh, oh, didn't they give me the rounds of the kitchen? Oh, like, can I, you've got God. no idea. So then I had to have the uh, superintendent of police of South Australia in in the uh, in the studio to personally apologise for the. You know, Inconvenience I'd cause the uh, law enforcement uh, officials, and uh, as a penalty, they made me do five night shifts in a row. On the, so I'd do a night shift of uh, police work and then do the breakfast show. Wow, so, that's uh, so that. That was something that went uh, wrong, but could have been so much worse. Well, yeah, that but, was. <laughs> Was... Because they opened the boot, and they said, where's the other guy? Where's the guy? And I said, well, that's him in the passenger seat. Yeah. And that's when they just went, like, oh, you idiots. Oh,
1: <laughs> that is, uh, the, the stunts that get pulled uh, in FM radio uh, oh. uh, just, I, I think, was, was it Judith Lucy who said she got out when they were in a meeting uh, about you know some you know what are we going to do what are we going to do we need to do you know, a big stunt and there was talk about uh, inseminating uh, somebody with somebody's famous as sperm uh, oh, yeah, yeah no, let's no. let's get somebody pregnant to a to a celebrity or uh, that that was well, floated as an idea and it was at that point that Judith Lucy said I, I think I might bail on this
0: yeah i think i might go I, we we um we used uh for the first time um uh, on FM radio, we used a lie detector. Bill Blair, this very famous lie detector guy. Yeah, and we would ask couples who are getting married or whatever different questions. Anyway, it, it, I don't know we're, we're burrowing away, and I said, I said to this guy, I don't know what made me say it. Um, you've got a gambling problem, haven't you? And he said, Yes, but my fiance doesn't know. And so suddenly there was this horrible moment where I thought, I've potentially ruined these people's lives. I'm never doing anything like that again. So we had Caravan Survivor, which was interesting. We put, uh, when Survivor first came out, we put uh, eight people in a caravan and towed them around Melbourne, to different spots to be mocked and put them on a driving range and had golf balls crashed into them and stuff and, uh, that was interesting i mean we, we we would do things that were you know sort of uh part of the, the the zeitgeist at the time but put our spin on them yeah uh
1: did you ever do those uh crank call type things because uh, th- those were always sort of sort of a staple of fM radio
0: oh adam hills was the king of that yeah. he, he would do them in adelaide and uh, he was just the absolute king of it i i could never do it um it it wasn't it it didn't didn't feel right well it just it just wasn't my shtick it wasn't something that i would do whereas i would every day uh and it became a a huge success was a thing called better's diary which was uh a daily diary of me when i was 13 and some of the stuff that was in there was just hilarious
1: so it was an actual diary that you had written at the time, was it? And you
0: No, no, I was, them, I was writing them every day. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So, so they were completely fabricated. Right, okay, yes. So they were able to make references to the time period as well as stuff that a 13-year-old kid would be doing then yes. um, and, and all sort of amplified. So um, the activity might be A, but I would... Bring it up to be to give it that extra punch. Yeah. Um. And that, uh, you know, we always had a theory that we would never. That it, what really used to annoy me about uh, FM radio was uh, the repetition of something that happens before seven, and they'll do it again after eight. Yeah. Now, to me, that was always lazy and was never never something i was interested in but the diary was so popular it would come out of the seven o'clock news and then come out of the eight o'clock news
1: wow same day repeated only an hour apart
0: over an hour apart and it would still get like huge interest so you know, we um you know we, we had some fun but uh you know, it's uh, the landscape changed once Nova came in, and uh, all those things started to occur. You know, the, the, the audience got fractured, and um, you know, but that was uh, that was the way broadcasting went.
1: Well, the, no, when Nova started, it was the greatest thing ever for three AW because yes, it, it knocked knocked a bit of audience off Fox, off uh, Mix or what, Double T or whatever it was at the time, and Triple M. Uh, yeah. but fox fox had always been just that uh, that one that were, that always niggled at 3AW there was they were number 1 AW was number 1 and once nova oh, yeah. came in and, and in their very first survey hit number 1 um, mm. it, uh, it it took the shine it took about four points off fox and 3AW's been sort of number 1 pretty much ever since so yeah nova is is the godsend for 3AW but uh, what, what,
0: was, what was interesting about nova um, um, when it first started was. We would finish at nine. And then um, our program director at the time, Grant Tothill, decided that it would be fantastic to just, what a great bonus to have Husie, Kate and Dave come in and do an hour um, after us. And I said, you realise all they're doing is air checks for Nova, don't you? That's all you're supplying them with, like mm-hmm. if you're yeah, <laughs> sure enough, Nova starts, and then she's your cake and
1: Dave—madness! It's uh, that is wonderfully mad, and and quite typical of uh, of uh, of radio as we know it. Um, well, yeah, yeah, sorry.
0: No, no, I was about to say it, it's uh, old stereo in particular. Um, you know, you get to the top of the tree just by not leaving. It's it's by osmosis. You you climb the tree. You get up the ladder. You, you don't have to be particularly talented. You just have to be patient.
1: Well, I, I well look. I I'm a classic example of that. Here here I am on AW doing the Sunday nights with Phil and Saturday nights my own little show. And it's pretty much just because I've been there that long that uh, yeah I, I've filled in enough that I ended up doing these little gigs. So so yeah, it, yeah, but- it worked for me too.
0: But what you do is far more than that. You, what you do, apart from being an excellent broadcaster, the thing you have a feeling for is heritage. And you are saving things uh, from that station and from certain eras that if a, diff- a different owner comes in, that all goes in the rubbish. But you're saving it. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. There's not, you know, I look at stuff from Art of Services that, that I did. It's all just gone missing Yo, because nobody yeah. knows where it went from Granada to ITV to, but, but you know, you've got that eye on the historical that will keep uh, AW alive and, and functioning in people's minds, no matter how long it is since a certain show's over, you'll always have a part of it. And then and uh, you would be congratulated
1: for that. Oh, well, thank, thank you. I, I do, um, I, I do. I just love my archiving, and I, I look at things like fast forward, full frontal, the Visard show. They should be on a streaming service somewhere. Daryl Summers has done a great job of doing Hey Hey Dot TV where you can go mm-hmm. and for like six bucks a month, you can watch any episode of Hey Hey that he's, that he's managed to get together in his collection. But uh, yeah, where, well, you know, why is Tonight Live not up there on a streaming service? It'll be great to go back and watch.
0: It, it's been lost. I mean, uh, you know, the time that uh, just, uh, Steve uh, spoke about it recently, the, the times that he and I spent in Japan, with Japan for four days, were unbelievable. He did. Of course, didn't do much work, but <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was just fantastic. It was uh, – in fact, um, we had to do a show the, the night we got back from Japan and uh, we got onto the plane. It was JAL it was actually quite nice, and he headed up to first class and I headed down to economy. I said, oh, yeah, thanks, Steve. I'll, I'll see you back in Melbourne. And he said, don't worry about it. And I thought, I wonder what that means. So suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, I used to carry a Gladstone bag. This little uh, Japanese hostess comes running down saying, you're Mr. Vaisar doctor. He need you. So (laughs) so He told her that I was his doctor. So I had to go up to first class and conduct some rudimentary sort of examinations and give him some uh, sleeping tablets and stuff. Right. And she said, just stay. So I, I ended up in first class with him. And then uh, dinner came around, and it was all freshly cooked on board in those days. And uh, the uh, they said, would you like uh, there's uh, salmon or beef? And Steve said, beef. And I said, well, as your physician... I'm afraid to tell you that if you have the beef, it could be very bad for you. <laughs> and, and he said, I don't care if it kills me, I'm having the beef. And the look on the woman's face was unbelievable. <laughs> so we get back to Melbourne. I go straight to the studio. He goes home for a sleep. He gets back to the studio and says, oh, ben, you know, you're going to have to host tonight. I'm too tired. I said, you're kidding, aren't you? You, you? Like, you've virtually done nothing in Japan. Uh, you've slept all the way home on the plane. You've gone home for a sleep. And I've gone to the studio to work with the writers. Um, and he said, all right, fair enough. Uh, came back from the second break, asleep. You're kidding. It's <laughs> all asleep is- on, on air.
1: Oh, that is gold. See that that yeah. stuff should be readily available to be viewed. It's uh, such a shame. Yeah, well,
0: nobody knows where it's all gone. I mean, imagine. I mean, putting together you know, the the best of Hey Hey used to do well, but imagine the best of of Fast Forward with all of those great characters again. And, and that yeah. was the that was the thing about uh, Fast Forward. And other sketch shows that have subsequently failed, and that is, they were writer performers. They weren't just actors acting out lines from writers. They, they were weren't. actually creating their own material, and that that adds a certain something and a certain uh, sincerity to yeah. that to show.
1: There's only sort of like out of that era of fast forward, full frontal, the degeneration, you know, yeah. Those were sort of the three uh, massive ones. Uh, uh, the comedy company, yeah, comedy company, fast forward slash full frontal, um yep. and and degenerate. There's uh, there was such wonderful talent in that whole pool, and the only sort of I, I think sketch show that's around at the moment is Troy Kinney does one. Yes. And and he's, he's done some very clever stuff, but it just doesn't seem to get the same uh, no. the, the same audience now.
0: It, it's not. Uh, it, it's, I think. I think, uh, it, The the thing about all those people, most of the comedy company guys and the fast forward guys, worked together on a show called The Eleventh Hour. That's right. Um. And and that came from there. and, and Steve. Steve basically owned Fast Forward he, uh, he you know paid everybody he he just he that was really he was very very clever business wise mm-hmm. and when he was offered the Tonight show um he knew he was being swamped so he actually just gave free of charge to Andrew Knight half of of services and uh, they both went off in different directions, but under the same company brand and, and, uh, away it went. Right. Yeah. And I, um, my, uh, I remember I was the, the EP on, um, uh, Eric Banner's tonight show. Yes. And, uh, that had its interesting moments because when you're the EP, people listen to you <laughs> and, um, uh, we were sitting around um, trying to work out who we'd get as an international guest first up for the first show because it had to be big. Yeah. So Madonna's coming up and Brad Pitt and all of these names. and I, It must have been 30 names. And I threw uh, Mickey Rooney into the mix. Anyway, uh, all of these names are dropping off, not, not that I wasn't aware of. And then uh, one day a knock on the door, one of the... Um, uh, one of the PDs uh, comes in and says, great news, we've got Mickey Rooney. <laughs> so what started off as a bad joke, ended up with an Australian Tonight Show, first episode, star guest, the top box office star from
1: 1938. That is fantastic.
0: <laughs> and, and a nastier, more horrible man you will ever it's passed now, but he he was just horrible, and all he wanted to do was go to the dogs or go to the track. Or is that uh, right? He didn't want to do, he, it was a but but just as, as soon as they said we've got Mickey Rooney, I just thought, oh my! It was one of those, you know, oh my God, what have I done?
1: Sort of moments. But in 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 one way, it also would have been like almost great car crash. Type television, oh. would it not, Did did it did it work in in that sense? I kind of, you know, he was himself. He kind of he
0: turned it on for an old man. He turned it on, yeah. And you know, I think uh, I don't think Eric was altogether okay with his history and what he what Mickey Rooney had done. But I said to him, I said, uh, Mister Rooney, I remember a, a film of yours that I most distinctly called The Atomic Kid. Where uh, you were radiated, and it was the first time I'd ever seen it done. Where somebody walks down a row of poker machines, and they all go off. Well, that launched the longest tirade of expletives I think I'd ever been exposed to. Because apparently, apparently, he lost three million dollars on that film, and he he oh so, so I, I I knew. If, uh, if somebody was giving me the it I would just say, go and ask Mr. Rooney about the Atomic Kid. <laughs> oh, one of the cool. beauties of that show was the last two weeks, um, we had her one week and then we kept her over. Kathy um, uh, took her and her family to Queensland for a week. Mia Farrow for two weeks. Uh, and what a, a charming, beautiful woman she is. Oh, She's just absolutely lovely, and told the story of how uh, when Frank couldn't pay his debts at the Sands, uh, he was banned. So he put uh, Mia into a golf cart and drove through the glass doors. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Frank for you!
1: That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Now, Steve, we should get onto some favourites, given that's uh, sort of the, the the loose point of uh, of this. Uh, yeah. this this thing that we do. Um so I have a list of fifty favourites. I'm just gonna throw some at you at random and mm-hmm. and see what uh and see what Steve Bedwell's favourites are. Uh mm-hmm. fa- favourite friend
0: uh, a favourite friend uh would be uh the uh my butcher at Trialto's in Elstonwick who cuts me nine hundred
1: gram T bone. Oh, that sounds nice. Well, that that almost <laughs> now. I, I what I randomly do here. I've got these fifty questions printed out, and I, I just sort yeah. of put my finger without looking and then ask yeah. the next one. After I did that, I moved my finger, and the next one actually landed on question number eight: favorite home cooked meal. I think that sort of answers that as well.
0: Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I um, yeah, it's like when I get that and I cook that, and I eat that it's like having dinner with Fred Flintstone. <laughs>
1: I've, ne- I've now moved <laughs> this is uh, this is fake fed income. I've now moved 26 favorite shop. It's going to be that butcher shop, isn't it? No,
0: no my okay. favorite shop is a men'swear shop on Elst- in Elstonwick on um, Glen Huntley Road called Happens. yeah and it's been there since 1879. Oh, that's and nice. it is the classic menswear store. You look in the windows. And you can't—it's just a cornucopia of everything that a man could want. They have all of their signs hand painted, and they have the last surviving in Australia um, in the old days, of course, uh, before cash registers, etc. There'd be a man who'd stand up on a platform, and rather than vacuum uh, send the money to and from, it was—it's done on wires,
1: yeah—and.
0: Little in little metal tubes, and I took my 10 uh, year old in to see it, and she was just mesmerized by it. But Hattams is my favorite store,
1: wonderful. Uh, favorite flower or plant? Ah,
0: yes, well, you know, there's uh, there was a time in the past where I would have given you a completely different answer, yeah, but I do like um. Oh, what's that one, the the, the white one with the beautiful odour? Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm not much of a gardener. I I do like, um, I am uh, keen on cacti as well and look for rare cacti.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, Favourite board game?
0: Ah, now, uh, first thing you can cross off is Monopoly. How (laughs) that thing ever got off the ground... I'll be bugged if I know, because I don't want to sit there for five hours playing that game. But at the moment, I've gotten my 10-year-old into playing drafts. So I would have to say uh, drafts and from my youth uh, battling tops.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah. They, you spin them and they spin into each other and they knock each other out of the circle? Yeah. Is that the, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Huh? Yeah,
0: that all that Rock'em Sock'em Robots. That was pretty good
1: too. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Uh, Favorite radio station?
0: Well, you know what? The, the, the radio station I listen to the most is through AW.
1: Okay, well, that's that's nice to hear. <laughs> um, well, look, that's actually true. <laughs> so, do you do you venture much around the dial and listen to breakfast shows and sort of see what they're doing and and say and go, oh yeah, I could have done better than that, no.
0: Well, well, I I know I could have done better than that because it's it's what I was meant to do. Uh, I wasn't meant to be a footballer or a game or a a reality contestant uh, who happens to be flung into radio. It's something that my brain has been wired to do in terms of comedy forever. So I have no interest in listening to other shows because I... I reflect on what we did, and and I find them uh, trite. Uh, though uh, Ross um, and Russ, are, are just fantastic. Ross is possibly the greatest uh, radio mind this country's ever produced.
1: Yeah, and some of those segments that he came up with, like the Rumour File, which uh, oh. uh, when he when he first pitched that, he was told, "No, it'll never work. What a load of rubbish." And yeah. <laughs> Of course, it, it has, yeah.
0: And now you find some of their segments being replicated in other shows across the day, which is interesting.
1: Yes, yeah, there's there's a bit of that. Uh, yeah. and, and replicated around the network too, I might say, as well. Um, well, yeah, yes. Favourite TV show which is no longer in production?
0: Oh, now that's interesting because um, I have just finished watching... Uh, and it went out of production in 2015 um a a sitcom called community
1: oh i don't and
0: know it. it is as funny as you'll get Chevy Chase is in it for a few episodes yeah but they they mess with the contrivances of television all the way through for instance the, in one episode they're muppets and and Uh, The final episode of episode six, they talk about, they're saying, like in character, sitting around their table saying, what should we do in episode, in series seven? I don't know. What would you like to do in series seven? So they're they're talking about something that they know is not going to happen as characters. And and so um, they talk about what they'd like to do. And then you get a small glimpse of that. And then one of them says, you know what, Uh, perhaps. Perhaps we're not in control of ourselves at all, and oh. then, and as characters, then it cuts to a cheesy nineteen seventy style uh, family board game called Community, with their heads as the pieces being moved around the board.
1: Oh, okay, that's
0: a bit I, deep. I, I thought it's ju- it just was it, beyond clever. Apart from that, um, my favourite ever comedy is uh, the Larry Sanders Show.
1: Oh, yes, yes, with... um, um Gary Shandling. That's it, yes, yes. I, and, I, I, didn't, I didn't see a great deal of that, but the bits I did see, I did enjoy. Oh, it was just
0: magnificent. Rip Torn in it was just great. Oh, and, and you know, I I think like everyone, um, it's uh, I think The Sopranos was something that was... Uh, it was revolutionary for the time. It changed HBO's drama catalogue. It changed the way people made television about uh, organised crime. I, it was just uh, brilliant from the
1: start. Beautiful. And one to go out on. Last question. Favourite voice? Favourite
0: voice? Well, it's not the voice, that's for sure. Um, I, I meant that it's in... Uh, who's my favourite voice? I'm trying to think of... Well, Kamal had a great voice. Yes. Um, uh, and... In terms, my favourite voice, because he's my favourite artist and and, uh, made an album with Burt Bacharach called Painted From Memory, uh, my favourite voice would probably be Elvis Costello.
1: Okay, yeah, nice. Uh, Kamal is also a good friend of uh, Don Bradman as well. I love love the story of that. Uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. I just remember that I, I thought it was fascinating that Kamal and Don Bradman got along so well.
0: Well, they sounded so different. I mean, I'd like to think that uh, once the film had stopped, Don still talks like this. I'd like to, I'd like to think it was still be. It was 1939 and we we're on the boat. And I said, Get it together, you bastards, and do some training. I'd like to, I'd like to think that that's
1: how he went wonderful. Uh Steve it has been fabulous to chat to you. I've I've really enjoyed catching up. Um we have to have, have a coffee or something one day and
0: uh in and, oh, sit I and chin wag. It. I I would love it Simon. Thank you very much for having me. It it's it's been a pleasure and it's been uh it's been great to reminisce and uh, share some stories, particularly the uh Adam in the boot story, which hasn't necessarily <laughs> been widely uh, broadcast, but uh, it's, uh, it's nice to have uh, been able to talk to you about some things that I love and uh, that you found interesting.
1: Fabulous. Good on you, Steve. That's Steve Bedwell.